Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. Friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800-247-3051, 800-247-3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org, or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now, here is our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. So I'll start now in the last verse, verse 22 of chapter one of Exodus. And Pharaoh charged all his people saying, Every son that is born you shall cast into the river, and every daughter you shall save alive. And there went a man of the house of Levi and took to wife a daughter of Levi. And the woman conceived and bare a son. And when she saw him that he was a goodly child, she hid him three months. And when she could no longer hide him, she took for him an ark of bulrushes and daubed it with slime and with pitch and put the child therein and she laid it in the flags by the river's bank, or brink, by the river's brink. Okay, now, in our last study, you remember, we saw how great was the significance of Moses' statement about himself that we're gonna use as a guide verse as we study the history of Moses, and that's the verse that's found in Deuteronomy 18.15, which reads, the Lord thy God will raise up unto thee a prophet from the midst of thee, of thy brethren, like unto me. Unto him you shall hearken. Those three words that Moses said about the Lord Jesus Christ are very important. He said that the Lord Jesus Christ would be like unto Moses, like unto me. And it gives us now, that's the guide, that gives us the study book, this gives us the, the direction that we're gonna use as we study the life of Moses. So when we study the life of Moses, our path is going to follow one direction, one question that we're gonna be asking as we look at the life of Moses, and that question is this, in what way or in what ways was Moses like unto the Lord Jesus Christ? Now in our last study, we looked at kind of an overview and we saw many ways in which Moses was like unto the Lord Jesus Christ. And we're gonna continue to see many more ways as we study the life of Moses. There are two verses that describe to us the two very, very important aspects of the life of, the, of, of Moses. There is these two verses describe for us the personal private life of Moses and the public life of Moses. And we need to, not only studying to see how he is like unto the Lord Jesus Christ, but these, these two verses provide for us, in, in the example of Moses, a challenge for us, a pattern for us, something that we should emulate, something that we should be like, and this very, very important. Now, first, the verse that describes the secret personal life of Moses, and that's found in Exodus 33, 11. 
Very, very important where it says, and the Lord spake unto Moses face to face as a man speaketh unto his friend. Let me repeat that. The Lord spake unto Moses face to face as a man speaketh unto his friend. Moses had a very, very important private life with God. It was a secret that really defined who Moses was. What made Moses the great man of God that he was? The answer is, it was his secret life with God. As followers of the Lord Jesus Christ, we want to be a man of God. We want to be a woman of God. We want to be people of God. And the big question is, what is the secret to being a man of God? What is the secret to being a woman of God? And the answer is what we are reading here in this verse about Moses. It's the secret life with God. What do we learn about this secret life with God that Moses had? One word, friend. That word, friend, in Exodus 33, 11, last word, friend, friend. Moses was a friend of God. Moses had friendship with God. That was Moses' secret. That was a secret in Moses' life. He was a friend of God. He had friendship with God. And how did this friendship manifest itself? The Lord spake unto Moses face to face, face to face. The Lord Jesus Christ spoke about this type of friendship and this face-to-face transparency here, the speaking, the communication of it all. He said in John 6.63, he said this, the Lord Jesus Christ said this to his friends when he said, it is the spirit that quickeneth, or that gives life. The flesh profits nothing. The words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. The words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. Moses, what is the essentiality of your friendship with God? The communication that we have together, Moses would say. The talking, he talks to me, I talk to him. This is what the Lord Jesus Christ is saying in John 6, 63. The words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. In John 15, 15, the Lord Jesus Christ is is speaking about this open communication, and he says, I call, henceforth, I call you not servants. Now, let's stop here. He's going to now describe why he does not call us servants. And he's going to tell a characteristic of a servant, and he's going to, when he tell, does that, he's doing it because he wants us to know that that's not the way he's dealing with us. Here's what he says. Henceforth I call you not servants, John 15, 15. Henceforth I call you not servants, for the servant knoweth not what his Lord doeth, but I have called you friends. For all things that I have heard of my Father, I have made known unto you. I have made known unto you, see? He's saying here, I'm not calling you a servant because a servant, he doesn't need an explanation for why, he just needs the orders to do. But he's saying, that's not my relationship with you. 
My relationship with you is friend to friend. Now keep in mind that this person who is speaking here, the Lord Jesus Christ, is the Jehovah Jesus in the Old Testament that Moses was speaking to, of which it says, as we saw in Exodus 33, 11, that God, the Lord Jesus Christ, spoke to Moses face to face as a man speaks to his friend. And so now we have the same person in John 15, 15, explaining to us, he could have stepped right out of the pages of Exodus 33 over here to the page of John 15, 15, and he says, I don't, I, I, henceforth I call you not servants, because a servant doesn't know what his, his Lord doeth. I've called you friends before all things that I've heard of my Father I've made known unto you. So the essentiality of this friendship between Moses and God was the communication. The communication, Moses spoke to God. God spoke to Moses, and that's what he's referring to here. Here was Moses. Now, when we see this private life of Moses, this is the Moses who is out of sight. He's not within our, he, he can't be seen. He's in a secret place. This is the Moses that's in a secret place. This is the Moses that's meeting with God. This is the Moses that God is speaking to. And there's another place, which is, goes along with Exodus 33, 11, which can, it describes the secret life with, between Moses and God, and that's in Numbers 12, seven through eight. Numbers 12, seven through eight. And this is where God is standing up for his friend Moses. He is defending his friend Moses to those who, who doubted his authority, and he says, God speaks about Moses. He says, my servant Moses, is not so, who is faithful in all mine house. With him will I speak mouth to mouth. Mouth to mouth, even apparently, and not in dark speeches, and the similitude of the Lord shall he behold. Wherefore then were you not afraid to speak against my servant Moses? There's no other person in the Bible, in the scriptures, who God said that he spoke to mouth to mouth, mouth to mouth. And when that verse says that he speaks apparently and that the similitude, similitude shall he behold, it means that Moses saw the Lord Jesus Christ. Moses saw, is what it means when he says, and the similitude of the Lord shall he behold. He saw the incarnate Lord Jesus Christ. So we put this all together and we have Exodus 33:11 speaking about the private life of Moses and God. It says, and the Lord spake unto Moses face to face, as a man speaketh unto his friend. And then God said that he, so this is the place where, as we said, God speaks to Moses face to face, as a man speaks to his friend. Now, these are the phrases that really characterize the private life that Moses had with God. God and Moses had a communication that was so close that it was called a mouth-to-mouth communication. No one saw that life that Moses had with God, but God saw it, and that life defined who Moses was. When Moses spoke to the people, people would say, you know what? There's a man who speaks to God mouth-to-mouth, face-to-face, friend-to-friend. Now, the other great verse about Moses is the one that describes the other side of Moses, which is his public life or his seen life. And that verse is in Exodus 3.14. That's the verse where Moses is at the burning bush and God said unto Moses, after Moses had asked, well, who are you or who should I say has sent me? And God said unto Moses, I am that I am. And he said, thus shalt thou say unto the children of Israel, I am 
hath sent me unto you. So publicly, Moses was known as the man who was sent by God. Moses was sent by the great I am to Israel to be their deliverer, to be their savior. So the verse that describes Moses' personal secret life, those verses, Numbers 12, seven through eight, and Exodus 33, 11, where we saw the, God speaking to him mouth to mouth, face to face, friend to friend. This is the verse that describes his public life, Exodus 3.14, and that's a verse that describes that Moses was sent by God. Now, from the last verse that we've read in chapter one, we saw the, 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 the time that surrounded the birth of Moses. If we were to characterize this time, we would say this was a desperate time for the Jewish people. We look at Moses, we understand this is their deliverer. Moses is their deliverer and he's been born into a time of absolute desperacy among the Jewish people, Exodus 1.22 that we read. And Pharaoh charged all his people saying, every son that is born you shall cast into the river and every daughter you shall save alive. This verse just gives us a crystal clear picture of the time that surrounded Moses' birth. It was a time of the deepest need for Israel. We can't imagine how deep this need was in the life of the Jewish people in, in, in Israel at that time. It was a time of just um, unbearable hopelessness for Israel. This was a time when there was, when Israel looked at themselves and they said, there is no way that we can get ourselves out of this trouble. There is no help for us in ourselves, no help for us in ourselves. And to the Jewish people, it just had appeared that God had forgotten and forsaken them. And they were looking at the face of their own annihilation. And it was precisely at this time in Israel's history, it was at this time in the, in the depth of Israel's hopelessness. It was at this time in the depth of Israel's uh, despair that precisely it's at this time that God sent his deliverer named Moses. That was exactly the same situation at the time when God sent the great deliverer, his Messiah, the Lord Jesus Christ. That was a time of extreme Roman oppression. The Jewish people were under the heel of the Romans and they felt that hopelessness. It was just during that time when God decided to implement the John 3, 16 through 17. God so loved the world that he gave or he sent his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Now we've seen that in the life of Moses. We saw that in the, at the coming of the birth of the Lord Jesus Christ and looking into the spyglass of the future for the Jewish people, there is coming, we understand from the scriptures. Another time when the Jewish people will again face an utter hopeless situation, when it'll appear again that they are on the brink of annihilation, when they will say there is no way that we can get ourselves out of this situation. There's no hope, no help for us. That's the time that has a specific name 
that has called for the time period, and I'll read it to you, which is Jeremiah 37 through 11. Alas, for that great day, <clears throat> so that none is like it. It is even the time of Jacob's trouble, and he shall be saved out of it. For it shall come to pass in that day, saith the Lord, that I will break his yoke from off thy neck and will burst thy bonds, and strangers shall no more serve themselves of him. But they shall serve the Lord their God and David their king, whom I will raise up unto them. Therefore, fear thou not, O my servant Jacob, saith the Lord, neither be dismayed, O Israel, for lo, I will save thee from afar and thy seed from the land of their captivity. Jacob shall return, shall be in rest, and be quiet, and none shall make him afraid. For I am with thee, saith the Lord, to save thee, though I make a full end of all nations, whither I, will, I have scattered thee, yet will I not make a full end of thee. But I will correct thee in measure and will not leave thee altogether unpunished. This time period is called, as we've seen here in Jeremiah, the time of Jacob's trouble. Jeremiah tells us that this time period is unprecedented and that, and he uses these words, the prophet Jeremiah uses these words, there is none like it. Looking back over the history of the Jewish people, he said there is none like it. And oh, when we look back over the history of the Jewish people, only have to consider World War II, the, the, the Nazis, the concentration camps, and et cetera, et cetera. And this says there's none like to it. It makes us dizzy to think about it. This will be a time that's worse than the scene that we have and we're studying right now in Exodus 1. It's the time when the prophet Zechariah spoke about when he said in Zechariah 14, two through three, when he said, I will gather all nations against Jerusalem to battle and the city shall be taken and the houses rifled and the women ravished and half of the city shall go forth into captivity and the residue of the people shall not be cut off from the city then shall the Lord go forth and fight against those nations as when he fought in the day of battle. You know, it's kind of interesting when you look back over uh, our so-called world wars that we've had. World War I, World War II. In October 24th, 1945, after World War II, the United Nations was born, and it was born with the same goal as the League of Nations after World War I, and that was to prevent another world war. Now, we all know that after World War I, it wasn't called World War I when it happened, it was just called the World War because there was never expected to be another one, but after that World War, the League of Nations that, that, that uh, had formed after that World War, it, failed with the start of World War II. And now we have the United Nations. It's an organization with the goal of, once again, having all the, the nations of the world unite to prevent war. And so what we have in this verse in Zechariah 14.2 is the pinnacle of the United Nations. The United Nations has had their debates. When we, read, when we come to Zechariah 14.2, we can say the United Nations has had their debates, the United Nations has formed their resolutions, they have collected their signatures, and now every nation, that's what it says, all nations, every nation has agreed that they have identified that there's one singular threat to world peace, there is one singular threat 
to entering into another world war, and that singular threat is the nation of Israel. It is the homeland for the Jewish people. This is what the nations have come to the conclusion, the United Nations. So in Zechariah 14.2, when it says all nations to battle against Jerusalem, that's the pinnacle of the United Nations. All nations are now united in their, their agreement that the problem is the Jewish people, the problem is Israel, and, they must, and they've come to fight. Well, if Zechariah 14.2 is the pinnacle of the United Nations, the next verse, Zechariah 14.3, is the end of the United Nations, and that's described with these words, then shall the Lord go forth and fight against those nations. So just like the time when Moses was born, it will be, in this coming time, a time for the Jewish people of absolute hopelessness, absolute despair, the brink of annihilation, no way for the Jewish people to get themselves out of this, no way for the Jewish people to help themselves, no way for the Jewish people to save themselves. That's the time when God, the Lord Jesus Christ, will come with the words of Jeremiah 30.10, therefore fear thou not, O my servant Jacob, saith the Lord, neither be dismayed, O Israel, for lo, I will save thee from afar, and, it, and coming from heaven is from afar. Now. We come now and we look at the first verse in Exodus 2, and that's kind of an interesting verse. It's interesting from a number of points of view, but one of them, when you read it, it says, and there went a man of the house of Levi and took to wife a daughter of Levi. Well, in those verses, we have for us the introduction of the parents of Moses. Moses, the great deliverer of Israel, the great deliverer of the Jewish people. And here we have the description of the parents of this great deliverer of the Jewish people. And, it's simply, and the father is introduced to us simply called a man of the house of Levi. And the mother is simply called a wife, a daughter of Levi. And the description which is given to us is that the man took to wife, a daughter of Levi. So their marriage was not with any great pomp and ceremony. It just, it just he took her. Very simple way to get married. If he did that today, then think of how much money everybody could save on the wedding ceremonies and so forth. But that's what it says. They took to wife, daughter of Levi. Very, very simple. Now, these descriptions of the parents of the greatest deliverer of the, of the Jewish people in the Old Testament are not exactly descriptions of anyone great or special among the Jewish people. The parents of Moses, the great deliverer, are not described as ruling elders, because there were elders. We know that Moses went later on and met with them. They're not described as rabbis of the Jewish people. There's no prominence at all in the description about the parents of Moses. The father is just described as a man of the house of Levi, and the mother is described as a daughter of Levi. Just common, everyday, run-of-the-mill commoners among the Jewish people. Yet, from these commoners emerges the greatest deliverer of the Jewish people in the Old Testament, Moses. Now, Moses used, again, as we started off, those very interesting words in Deuteronomy 18.15, and let's look again, Deuteronomy 18.15, to describe how he was like the Lord Jesus Christ. He said, Deuteronomy 18.15, the Lord thy God will raise up unto thee a prophet from the midst of thee, 
of thy brethren like unto me, unto him she shall hearken. He said to the Jewish people, Moses said to the Jewish people that the Lord Jesus Christ would be, and here's the phrase, from the midst of thee, of thy brethren like unto me. With this description, Moses, this description, Moses is describing his parents, his lineage, his, his pedigree. He was from the midst of the Jewish people, of the Jewish people. That's the description that Moses told the Jewish people, look for that. That's your clue. That's how you're going to identify the Messiah that, the, that God is gonna send. That's how you're going to identify the Lord Jesus Christ because he would be like Moses in terms of where he came from, right out of the center of the common cloth of the Jewish people, parents with no special pedigree. Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened to and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org. You can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook, and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org and sign up for his daily devotional. Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestorationministries.org. You can write to Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711330, P.O. Box 711330, Santee, California, Santee, California, 92071. Or email Tom Cantor at tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org, tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Or for more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051. 